0: Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. What Pastor Tony Cruz didn't tell you about that story is we were in his office and we're talking about our connection. And even though he came to us wanting to perhaps rent our space for the time being, we got something more out of the deal because this used to be Heartline. You know you start to get old when no one knows what you're talking about? (laughs) And out of the ordeal, there were some lockers here. And we were like, well, we're not in a position where this arrangement can work, but we certainly can use your lockers. <laughs> and he graciously gave us lockers that we still use today. And we are excited about this opportunity to, to share with you, to be with you. When I say we, I mean I'm an extension of my wife and my three rambunctious boys. God bless children's ministry. I mean, you have to be super saved and anointed filled with the Holy Ghost, to be a minister among the kids. And my children, I'm sure, are going to test how redeemed they are, how saved they are. And uh, we're just excited to be here today. What an awesome-looking group of people. Would you look to the person beside you? Would you tell them you look beautiful today? Go ahead, tell them. You... If that person didn't say anything to you, that was the wrong person. Look to the next person beside you and tell the other person, you look beautiful today. Amen. I'm extremely grateful to be here. I absolutely love the word of God. By a show of hand clapping praise, who loves the word of God in here? Who is just in love with God's word? And I'd be remiss if I moved on without acknowledging my beautiful wife sitting in the front row with our third child, Jarellis. Would y'all clap for her, please? Amen. She's my heart, my kidney, my liver, my backbone. All of the above, and I'm just extremely grateful that she always stands in support. As I was preparing for the message, even on this morning, she brought me a hot cup of tea for my voice. And how many of you know that if you stand the opportunity to be a blessing and you don't be a blessing, the Bible actually calls you wrong for that. And so I'm thankful for Jarellis and her servanthood. She is definitely my helpmate. I want to preach for you a little while using as a subject... The Blueprint to Getting Unstuck. I'm going to repeat that. I'm going to preach for a little while using as a subject, The Blueprint to Getting Unstuck. And what's interesting about even the title in and of itself is when we think about blueprints, I know at least for myself, I get nervous because I struggle to interpret them. And think of it this way as well. When the blueprint is big for what you're trying to construct, when it's complex for what you're trying to construct, confusion oftentimes lies therein. But I come to bear great news that when it comes to getting unstuck in your life, God has in fact given us a blueprint that is comprehensible. Somebody say that's good. Come on, say it, would you? God has given you a blueprint to getting unstuck that you can, in fact, understand and apply to your life without all of the confusion and without all the rhetoric. Uh, So I'm thankful for this opportunity. And if you would bow your heads in a moment of prayer, we'll jump in thereafter. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Let's kill this devil. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 How many are, are affectionate towards short prayers? I know that <laughs> I know that I am. You no, know, it's the Phariseeical prayer that is long and, and perhaps even drawn out to show that you're righteous, but it really doesn't matter how long you pray. What matters the most is what you believe in your prayer. And I do, in fact, believe even Jesus knows the cry of our heart that we got a devil to destroy in Jesus' name, And I do believe that we're going to stomp on the devil's head. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I will ask that you stand to your feet for a moment. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 40, verse number one through eight. I'll be reading in the NIV version. And it reads like this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and miry. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a song in my mouth, a hymn of praise of God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Somebody say trust. you didn't say it like you mean it come on let's build a roof off this thing say trust Trust. amen who does not look to the proud to those who turn aside to false gods many lord my god are the wonders you have done the things you've planned for us no none can compare with you where I to speak and tell of your deeds they would be too many to declare sacrifice and offering you did not desire interesting But my ears, you have opened. What does that mean? Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. Somebody say, here I am, please. Oh, come on. Y'all jaywalk back to where you were. Come on, a little bit louder. Here I am. Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will. My God, your law is within my heart. Indulge me just one more time. High five the person beside you and say, Let's get unstuck. Go ahead. High five them and let's say, Let's get unstuck. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Getting unstuck today. Do you ever feel trapped? Do you ever feel trapped? Yeah. feel like my kids trap me every day. Hopeless with no clear way out. No matter what you attempt, progress seems to be elusive. Even when you call your best friends on the phone for advice, their advice sometimes falls short. I'm a mama's boy, and when there's time of crisis, I will, in fact, call my mom. But sometimes even mama's advice adds to no resolve. You simply feel stuck. I remember not necessarily being the most big of a fighter, more so a lover. And I've never really punched my brother in the face. I have a brother who's about 18 months younger and I might as well share this story before he gets here on tomorrow because he's far bigger, taller, but he would tell you if he's honest that Nissan used to kick my butt all the time. He would tell you if he were to be honest that there was really not one fight that he won against me and I'm proud of it and this is how I beat him without throwing punches is that I would overwhelm him with my strength because I had an 18-month head start. I would overwhelm him with my size, and I would just grip him up, whether I had to put him in a full Nelson, and he be, <clears throat> wouldn't necessarily even cry out to mom, but with vice grips of a grip, he, in fact, <laughs> was stuck. And that's how I won the fight. The fact of the matter is, he could not get loose from my grip, and he would cry profusely, tears running down his face, not even one to cry out to mom that I need help, and I'd be whooping his butt <laughs> as he felt stuck. Now, I don't know if there is any worse feeling, to be honest, sometimes than feeling stuck. To me, if there is, in fact, something worse than feeling stuck, then it starts with another S. It's sinking. You want peace in your life, but it feels like war instead. Sinking. You have a job that, for some reason, there's a lot of bickering and arguing on site. Please look straight ahead if your co-worker is here. (laughs) And even without the proper pay, the difficulty of trying to make two ends meet, makes you feel like you're sinking. Or perhaps it's your child who always is disobedient and not even the schoolhouse wants them. You feel like you're sinking. What do you do, beloved, when you feel like you're stuck? What do you do when you feel like you haven't made any progress? What program do you subscribe to when you feel like not only am I stuck, I'm sinking? And I need a blueprint for my life that would suggest if I follow these steps, I can get unstuck. Come on, somebody say it with me now get unstuck. Would you do it, please? Yeah get unstuck. And in Psalm, I believe there is a blueprint found in chapter 40, verse number one through eight. And if you aren't careful, you'll miss it. You'll think that it sounds flowery. You'll think that it's just good for your spirit, but perhaps not good to put into action. But if you were to comb through each one of those verses, and I don't know if I'm going to teach this or preach this, but I would promise you, and I would behoove you, beloved, that you can take each one of those scriptures like big horse pills, one at a time. And you'll find yourself getting unstuck. All of us, under the sound of my voice, can relate to what it feels like to be stuck. Because in fact... If you were never stuck in your life, maybe, just maybe, according to a carnal mind, you would be far more ahead than where you are right now. Sometimes, perhaps, life has stopped your progress, has stopped your stride, has stopped even the speed at which you move. Why? Because you felt like you've been in a slimy pit, and you've been underneath mud, and been underneath the miry clay, and unable to get your feet moving. But I've come to bear great news There's a blueprint. Come on, say it out loud. Blueprint. Blueprint. I'm going to keep you engaged starting with verse number one. It's quite clear. Listen to it and listen to it closely. Psalm 40, verse number one says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And we can pause on verse one, clause A. Did you notice that it says, I waited patiently? That it doubled down and doubled up on the word wait by suggesting to you that even in feeling stuck, it requires a wait. That in your wait, you have to wait. And even Joyce Myers would say that patience is not waiting. Patience is the ability to have a great attitude while waiting. Now, I know sometimes a waitress may even be slow with your food. Let's make it practical. How do you wait then? Perhaps when bills aren't paid according to your bank account looking empty. How do you wait then? Watch this closely. Are you a foot-tapping type of saint? When it comes to God coming to your rescue, and you know that he's an on-time God, at least that's what the old school saints used to say, But even in being an on-time God, you're a foot-tapping saint. You're a watch-your-watch type of saint. I'm a roll-my-head type of saint. And what I've come to realize, beloved, watch this, is that I'd much rather be like a dog waiting for his master to return than a foot-tapping saint. Because if you've ever noticed, somehow, even when a master leaves his dog at the door, that dog will jump up and down, and and it'll turn in circles, because somehow, even the animals know that that the master will return. Are you a foot-tapping saint? Or how about this, are you the type of saint, beloved, that when somebody asks you, how is life for you? Oh, I'm just waiting on Jesus. Waiting for his great return. Watch this, how about better yet? I'm just waiting on Jesus, and when he delivers my income tax check, just look straight ahead. (laughs) So, in other words, the only time you're happy is when the check is in the mail. But what happens in the process of you even waiting for your income tax? Are you waiting patiently? Are you waiting with a great attitude? Clause A, and we just on Clause A, y'all, is suggesting to you that real thorough saints know how to, in their waiting, wait. And so would you look to the person beside you? And I don't know how many of these I'm going to do, but I would suggest to you to look to the person beside you and tell them, wait in your wait. Go ahead, tell them, would you please? Wait in your wait. God is looking for how will you operate? How will you function when I'm not your puppet? How will you operate? How will you function, beloved, when I'm not coming to you in expedient fashion? But sometimes, if I could give it to you plainly, the devil knows, beloved, that, that he doesn't necessarily have to do much. All he has to do is put you in a chamber, put you under some pressure, and then see how well will you wait on God then. Watch this. But in Clause B, it says, David said, he turned to me. Everybody say, turn to me. In other words, uh, there's another version that says, he inclined To me, this is step two of the blueprint. We got step one at least down that we know that we got to be patient in our wait, that in our wait, we got to wait. But then here's perhaps step two is real good, thorough saints who are seasoned, who perhaps know the word verbatim, who, who you don't necessarily need to even teach the words to the screen on the song. I mean, they've been walking in it for a while. They know, watch this, God's proximity to them that God, in fact, closes the distance. I believe that in him inclining to me or in him turning to me, David is making sure that he acknowledges God's presence in his life. Are you hearing me, beloved? Does this make sense so far? Say yeah. Yeah. And so this is interesting because what happens when life is so difficult, You prayed and you fasted, but you forgot what is of most importance is understanding that God's involved. He's involved in your depression. He's involved in your stress. He's right there beside you. He was here in church before you got here. He'll be here before you leave. And understanding God's proximity and God's presence is so powerful. There is a sense of God bending down to you. In your affliction, that's why David said that he turned to me. And this is so important that God would turn to you because, in other words, he's getting down close to where it is that you are. So if he gives you nothing but his presence, beloved, even in your stuckness, if that's a word, you at least know he's there. But watch this, not only did David acknowledge that God turned to him, you're gonna like this part, David also says, he heard my cry. Everybody say cry, come on, say with me. Oh, you can do better than that, say cry. Cry. Sometimes when we look at the word cry, it's synonymous to a sign of weakness. But I'm here to behoove you, beloved, to suggest that if David had to cry, as a warrior who led at least three mighty men, who even in one battle, one of his mighty men slayed so many of the, uh, the Philistines that the very sword stuck to his hand and froze to his hand. If David, in fact, is making known a public declaration that even real men cry. That I'm crying out to God, watch this, because I know that when I cry, He responds. God knows my three little children got that down pat. That they know that when when I cry, that daddy is, is, is obliged to do something. He, he, he's, he's coming for me. That he can only withstand this so long. And, and even if I can endure my cry, oh gosh, uh, through what, what, Cracker Barrel, if, if I can just get in my cry zone, right in the place, in the waiting area place before you get down into the seat and get your food, if I can just cry right through here, throughout the duration of them sitting me down at the table, I'll get my jelly bean. All I gotta do is just cry. <laughs> if somebody as young, five and three and even six month old, could understand that, then what about you and, and me? Do you not understand that God loves you just that much that when you begin to cry out to Him, He has no choice but to respond? He turned to me. He heard then my cry. Hear this. You are a little bit too saved for my liking. I'm sorry to offend you if I did. The reason why I say that, beloved, is because you think that the affectionate, fervent prayer of a righteous man does not avail of much. But the Bible says that the affectionate, fervent prayer, I mean, it's sometimes time out for now I lay me down to sleep. I mean, sometimes you got to get on your knees and since I'm black, I get ashy knees and I'll make my knees ashy into the carpet because I know that God is hearing my cry and he says, make your requests known to me. Oh, I think y'all missed that. Let me back that thing up and give it to you again. It says, make your requests known to God. Now, this is where we get it confused. If I can keep going just a little bit deeper, grab scuba gear, we're going to go deep. (laughs) Make your requests known to God. The affectionate, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much or prevails much, so God has no problem with me crying. The issue is, what are you crying about, and how do you pray? That is more so the issue, beloved. And I think that you'll like this. I think that this will really set you on fire is, there are two basic type of prayers. Mm -hmm. And the first prayer is, uh, Lord, here are my orders. Bless me. Take care of my family. Meet my needs. But if I could give you the second type of prayer, you would find it with Saul on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, verse number 6, Saul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? He's praying. You're praying. But the difference, even in verse 1, is I believe, in fact, when David is crying out to God, He's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, I'm going to warn you before you do this to be careful. But for those of you who have bravery, any ounce of bravery in your body and in your system, I dare you to throw your head back right now and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Go ahead. Say it if you got it in you. Okay. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. And I understand if it's just a few of you. I I get if if that's a little bit shaky ground, uh, scary territory. But I would suggest to you that the most powerful prayer that you can pray is, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm just in verse 2, y'all. I'm so sorry, but can I take my time? Okay, okay. You know, God operates in the small nudges. I'm sitting at my desk, sort of daydreaming at Bucknell University. Y'all keep this between us. I'm halfway working, halfway daydreaming about my dreams. I'm sitting at the desk, and, and I'm trying to make the Excel sheet phone call to high net worth alumni of Bucknell so that they could give their money to the institution. That we both love and enjoy. While at the same time, on another open document, I'm designing workouts for early morning workouts in the park. Y'all keep this between us. This is, I don't, never mind. Designing workouts, going back to the spreadsheet, making a few phone calls, sending a few emails back to designing a workout. Back to working on Tri Fitness, daydreaming and working on my dream. And then, why are you still here? Almost scared the socks off of me. I skirted down three flights of stairs, uh, ran into the bathroom, started pacing back and forth, back and forth. I even doused my face with water, looked myself in the eyes and I said, "Did, did I hear that? Did I just feel that? Small nudge from God, why are you still here? Or in other words, what are you doing? What are you going to do? So and then I go back upstairs. Call my beautiful caramel color. Mocha, well, give me another color for your skin. Butter pecan. <laughs> call my butter pecan. Curly-headed wife over the fold. I said, babe, you won't believe this. You won't, you won't understand what happened. I just felt this nudge. I, I, it was almost audibly, but I believe it was an impression on my heart. Why are you still here? And then I told her, I believe it's time. She knew exactly what I was talking about. Gave me the support to turn in my resignation at Bucknell University right then and there. It was leap day, leap year. February the 29th of 2011, no pun intended. I took a leap of faith because the cry of my heart, Lord, what do you want me to do? I may have not said that verbatim, but did you not know, beloved, that men try to impress you with the aesthetics outwardly? But the Bible said that God knows your heart. And so I know, even if you didn't say that when I asked you to throw your head back, I mean, you've been walking in this for a while, and you know that you know that God has a special assignment, a special purpose for you. And he hears the cry of your heart that's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And here. Is one of the prescriptions to getting unstuck. High five somebody and say, I'm on my way. Come on, come on, high five them, I'm on my way. I'm on my way to getting unstuck. Verse two says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the miry. Here's step three to you getting unstuck, not only understanding God's proximity and acknowledging that and crying out to him, We want to acknowledge that God is close to our life. We want to cry out to him. We know that he hears. But we also must be, watch this, self-aware. Come on now. Holler back at your boy. I mean, you know for a fact that we were made from dirt. That God blew his ruha breath into the dust and made you into a living being. And that's why perhaps it's so comfortable for you and me to waddle in the dirt. So, so sometimes, if I could get real deep with you, we don't even understand our filth, understand our slime, understand that the Bible even says our sin is, is like sinking in God's nostrils, and that's why our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to him. So what happened, beloved? When you being in your deep depression, when you cursing out your spouse, when you not fathering and mentoring your children, what happens when you become so comfortable in the dirt and in the muck, you don't even realize that you're there? It's so important for you to understand one of the reasons why you're stuck is you don't even feel that you're stuck. I'm sorry if I don't get invited back. But I believe that once you become self aware and once you understand that you're in need of a savior, once you understand that you are not comfortable in the swampy and in the bogginess of the ground, you will then make an effort to get unstuck. David said, He lifted me out of what I was in. He lifted me out. You're in the mud. You're in a season of difficulty. You're in a season of darkness. You're in doom and gloom. To which you perhaps have tried with a Herculean effort to extricate yourself out of. In other words, you've tried to pull yourself out of it. But watch this. I think that you're going to feel me on this. Some of the reasons why you know that you are anointed. Because real anointed people find themselves in sticky situations. Oh, I think I'll take my glasses off on that one. Uh, I I think real anointed people understand that if it had not been for God on my side, with my anointed self, watch this, just come out because I'm anointed, don't mean I don't got problems. But as a sign of even my anointing, watch this, in worship service, I'm lifting my hands to the sky because I'm jacked up, I'm messed up. It's not because I'm perfect, it's because I'm anointed, but I'm stuck. I think it'll get a better, a little bit better as we go along. Y'all hang tight, Uh, buckle in. The aircraft is getting ready to take off. But I'm looking at some people right now who knows what it feels to, to, to be praying, to be sowing seeds, to be tithing, and still feel like no progress has been made. But can I tell you that God, in fact, knows your anointed self He knows your heart. He knows that you're throwing your head back and asking, what do you want me to do? And watch this. Because he knows, beloved, he's going to take you out of the Maori pit and onto a rock to stay. I thought y'all would clap your hands on that one. I I mean, if I were you, I would clap my hands. If, If I knew that God could rescue me in the pit, and he can. The thing that you're trying to get unstuck from, you cannot do it on human effort. It's going to take some divine intervention. Yeah, it, It's going to take some divine intervention, Nissan. Now that you haven't necessarily been raised by a father, mm-hmm, and you got three kids now, how will you operate and father them when you feel stuck? It's going to take me intervening. You, you, you. God led you and expanded your career. You're anointed enough to to have two and three jobs. Uh, you you've stepped out on your own in faith, and now you've started a business. But you didn't know that once you begin to expand and hire coworkers, that you was gonna need some Holy Spirit divine strength so that you could not feel stuck. God is placing His hand over your life right now, and watch this. I want everybody to lift up your hands. Come on, would you lift up your hands, please? Watch this. I believe that God is reaching down His gigantic hands, and if you can see it spiritually, I want you to go there. And He's pulling you out. He, he's stretching your arms. He's giving you the strength. Watch this to hang on, and you think that it's about you hanging on, but you need to understand that God's never gonna let you go. He's. Oh, look at you, wow. He's stretching your arm. He's giving you the strength right now. And if you believe it, would you just clap your hands like you're getting unstuck? Uh-huh. Come on, you can do better than that. I dare you to stand to your feet and reach out your hands as high as they will go and let God know, God, hears my hands. I I want you to take me by the wrist if you have to. Pull on my forearms, but whatever it takes, never let me go. Come on, clap your hands right there. He's pulling you out. He's stretching your arms. And you ought to be excited about it. You can be seated. And then watch this. Once he's pulling you out, He's placing your feet on a rock to stay after self-awareness. Watch this. David does something incredible. In verse 4, it says that he pulls a hymn of song of praise, that God has given him a song. So now the suffering servant, oh, you're going to like this, has now become the singing one. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the reason why your praise and worship is so authentic and so real is because every once in a while you have a flashback to what God delivered you from. And he took you at one point when you were a suffering servant and now you've become a singing one. You got a praise in your lips that the fruit of the lips will praise the Lord because you know God has helped you get unstuck. David has a song now. He he has a hymn now. He has a reason to praise. Creatures praise the creator. The redeemed praise the redeemer. The delivered praise the deliverer. And let's practice that right now. I'm trying to stretch your worship muscle, stretch your praise muscle. If you've been delivered from at least one thing or, or an addiction or, or if you've been delivered from a bad attitude but been delivered from anger, would you just celebrate God right now? Would you let him know that you acknowledge what he's done in your life? He's giving you a song. You know, you know Joseph, right? He was in the pit. A gentleman named Joseph was in the pit believe it's in Genesis chapter 37. It's dark in that pit. The Bible was careful to mention that the pit had no water. Perhaps when he hit bottom, he hit rock bottom. And many of you know that if you were to think about some of what you've been through, it becomes a memorial service. Sometimes you don't even like to think about man that you had sometimes you don't like to think about the boss that you had sometimes you don't even like to think about what, what, what you used to be in the environment that you used to go the dark places in your life so you can resonate with joseph who feels like you're at the bottom of the pit and even his brother reuben reuben pumped the brakes he said wait a minute brothers this is our brother, but we shouldn't kill him. Let's throw him in the pit. But then watch another brother that comes along. If you know the story, you'll know that his name, in chapter 37, verse 26 through 27, somewhere up in there, his name is Judah. And, and, and Judah says he comes up with this amazing idea for his brother Joseph, who has a gift, in fact, uh, let's pull him out the pit. Do y'all get the connection? I'll come back and get you for a second. Let's pull him out the pit and let's at least sell him to the Ishmaelites. So here is the point where you missed judah you should know means praise Mm -hmm. and and even while joseph was at the bottom of the pit watch this praise judah his brother is what lifted him out and so wherever you are in your life can i give you a remedy for success and a greeting to help you get out of the dark place you ought to praise your lord even when it's dark Even when it's difficult, even when money is running out, even when friends run out, even when people talk about you, even when you can't see your way, you at least got a mouth to praise ye the Lord. I said Judah is lifting you out. So we see that one of the main steps to the blueprint of getting unstuck is to praise. I don't even know what step I'm on. But I'm going to step my way to heaven. Amen? We, we, we going to step our way to heaven. Yeah, we going to step our way to heaven. One of the ways we can step our way to heaven can I can I be can I take an aside for just one moment? Is it, praise will help us step into heaven uh, because God perhaps is in fact seeing. Will you be resilient? When it's difficult, will you sing the song over again when you're tired of singing it? Because if you can praise me in a season of darkness, how are you going to praise me once I bring you out of it? How are you going to praise me once you get the promotion? How are you going to give me glory once God elevates you to the next level? We're going to step our way to heaven. We're getting unstuck. And you notice, watch this, stay with me. I promise you we're going somewhere. Step number four, five, six, wherever we're at <laughs> You'll notice that It says right here, it's in the scripture Blessed is the one Who trusts in the Lord Oh, wait a minute Blessed? Got slime on my body Blessed? People can see My affliction Blessed? Blessed? People know I catch the bus and I don't have a car to drive to work. Trusting in you and feeling blessed when my body needs healing. Wait, blessed? People know that I ask to borrow money all the time. Blessed? I've been ostracized from my family. Blessed? I've been trying to reach this goal, trusting you. I haven't even come close to the goal I feel that you've placed in my heart. you calling me blessed when everybody outside knows that I look everything contrary of being blessed? I get a little excited. You, you, you'll, you'll notice, though, that, that David goes a step deeper. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. I, I'm not smart enough to make this stuff up. Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. In other words, beloved, I want you to hear this, is that the man who is faithful, even with outward afflictions, is blessed, but the one with the riches and no faith is cursed. Y'all missed that. Let me give it to you in Charles Spurgeon's verse. He says, A man may be as poor as Lazarus, as hated as Mordecai, as sick as Hezekiah, as lonely as Elijah, but while his hand of faith can keep its hold on God, none of his outward afflictions can prevent his being numbered among the blessed. But the wealthiest and most prosperous man who has no faith is accursed. Be he, may he be. I know that outwardly you don't look blessed. But if I were to peel back The essence of your outer appearance and look into the deep cadavers of your heart Your soul is on fire for Jesus You're blessed beyond blessed If if, if we were to have an infrared X-ray of what's going on inside the deep recesses of your heart no, you might not have perhaps enough money, but you understand that that does not suggest that you don't know God. Watch this, that you are still blessed. And I'd rather, watch this, be blessed inside with my trust in God and who that he is than have a whole bunch of riches, but no, no Jesus. Is that good enough? Is that clap worthy for you? Uh, come on, if you're gonna clap, don't paticate with it. Don't, don't paticate with it. I'm looking at the blessed and that's how I know that you can trust Jesus that you can trust the Lord that even in your affliction you've made it out due to your trust in him. Nothing really has come to me easy. I'm still standing right now Repeat that, should connect with your spirit. Nothing has come to me easy, but to use the old Negro saying, all my life I had to fight. But even in my fighting, here's what I picked up along the way. May not have a whole lot of money in the bank, may not have fancy shoes, a nice coat to wear, but what I got that is is priceless is my trust in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's you. That's you and me. What helps me to get unstuck, the blueprint, the residue of moving forward is my trust. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. The residue of you coming out of whatever you're stuck in is your trust. (laughs) Because you ought to make memory stones like the Israelites used to do as they were crossing over the Jordan River to help God remember, help them know that God brought me out of something that I was once stuck in. So every once in a while, I'll go back to my memory stone. I'll get on bending knees to make sure God knows I haven't forgot about what you did for me. I trust you, Lord. This one helps you get unstuck. Stick with me. We going somewhere. As a matter of fact, I hope you're falling asleep. No, seriously. Close those tired eyes. I believe the word is so powerful, it'll penetrate through your spirit, through your soul, even while you sleep. That, that, that somehow even, God, make them sleepy and let them rest on this. Because you've been worried far too long. You've been stretched out far too long. God, gives sleep to them that he loves. Go to sleep so I can speak a word over your life. You'll wake up feeling like, I trust God a little bit more. You'll walk out of here feeling like, I don't know what happened, but somehow the weight is lifted off of my shoulders. Somehow I can pray for those who despitefully use me because I trust you, Lord, even though I fell asleep in church. (laughs) Can I give you just a few more steps and I'll leave you alone? I'll leave you alone. I drove all this way some five minutes across the bridge (laughs) to bear great news. I've worked this far and this long to give you my favorite point. And I don't want you to miss this one. Even though you might be a bit fatigued or, or happy or excited, wherever you are, get this one. You'll find it. It's in the last few scriptures that we read. Many, Lord, my God, are your wonders, you have done the things you've planned for us. I could tell you how God's thoughts of you outnumber the sand by the sea, and, and that uh, what that means is that he, not just the sand by the sea, but then it says every single grain of sand. That's the sand on every beach, that's the sand. In every sandbox. That's a sand on all the golf courses. I could tell you that that's my favorite point, but it's not. I could tell you that that's a, a big piece to what, what helps you get unstuck is knowing God has a plan for your life. That, that's not my main point. I, I believe that my most favorite piece is none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell you of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. And excuse me, that's not my favorite point either. I, I could tell you how, how Job, as he was going through his affliction, said, "I could be an actuary with the greatest of calculators, and I still couldn't do, 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 do. I still couldn't sum up your great fit benefits. I could tell you that one of the reasons that helps you get unstuck is knowing that God has great blessings in store for you that you won't even be able to count. That's not my favorite part. I, I want to tell you, I believe, in fact, that this is perhaps the crux of the text in this end, verse 6. Sacrifice, David said, an offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Oh, that's my favorite part because I was like, well... I get the burnt offering part. I get the blood offering part. That it's relative. I know that the Bible says that obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, that obedience is better than sacrifice, but God take me deeper. I, I want to get into deep waters with you if I could right now. And I found out in Exodus uh, 21, verse number six, it talks about the open ear of the Hebrew servant. And how after a Hebrew servant served a little, serves their master for some six or seven years as a staple to that servant saying that I will love you, master, and be committed to you forever, pierce my ears. So it's not necessarily about your sacrifice. It's about your love, your heart, and your commitment to Christ Jesus. And when you have that commitment that lasts a lifetime, I want to prophesy to you right now that where you were before will not be able to compare to where God is taking you because you are committed through your love. You've allowed him to pierce your ears. God is not concerned about your sacrifices. Watch this. Even if I could could walk a theoretical tightrope, he doesn't even really much care for your position on the worship team. Oops. I'm going to walk a tightrope. He doesn't even care how much you pray necessarily. You're sacrificed. He, he doesn't care even how much you give because you got a good job. You, you give pretty good so it's easy. You're sacrificed. Because you can do all those things and be sacrificing, but God not necessarily have your heart. And so when David was saying burnt offerings, you don't really care much about, when he was saying that the blood offerings, you could care less about because it's relative to the heart. God would much rather, beloved, have your heart committed to him than the outward appearance of a sacrifice. And when, in fact, you've allowed him to pierce your ears. Like the Hebrew servant back in Exodus 21, you'll love the fact that 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 symbolic representation that I'm committed to you. Would you stand to your feet? As the worship team comes up, can we play something real softly? I want to drive home this final point. Is that all right? Okay. How do you get unstuck? when the season of your life looks dark and gloomy? How do you get unstuck when you feel the people of the church judge you and there's no way to get from underneath their lording their position over you? How do you get unstuck When you've been sacrificing, Xing off the box, marking through the agenda, but your heart is far away from God. How do we, you and me, not just you, but, but how do we get unstuck, beloved? If we feel like we haven't made any progress financially, emotionally, Spiritually, the same stuff that used to tick you off in 2018 ticks you off in 2019. How do you get unstuck? I think that Psalms does a great representation of how, in fact, we can do it. But you gotta believe that you can, through the Lord's help, get unstuck. By show of hands, who feels that God has the power to pull you out of the slimy pit? Come on, by show of hands, I've been delivered from it. I've been set free from it. I've been redeemed. And in verse 7 and verse 8, how we come to a close is it says simply this. Listen. Listen. Don't don't miss it. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. David says, I desire to do your will, my God. Here's how we get unstuck. Last point is, (laughs) O.J. Hawkins, in his book, Jesus Code, says that, got to be mindful not to use a kitchen knife or a butter knife to do a Philip head screwdrivers job I'm guilty get the children playset only has four screws honey get me the butter knife you're drilling down into that screw with the butter knife Not recognizing, in fact, that that's not what it's made for. You've been sacrificing, been working hard, been been praying fervently, been passionate about your attendance in church. Drilling down with that good old butter knife. But once you realize that you've been struggling and you've been trying to make progress, but you still feel stuck, Hear me, that life now is hard for you, to use the words of Maya Angelou, life has been no crystal stair. You then discover the Philip Head screwdriver, which O.J. Hawkins says fits perfectly into the screw. So in other words, beloved, you were designed for a specific purpose on this earth. And I know it may seem difficult. It may seem hard. It may seem challenging. But I do, in fact, believe that God is stripping the butter knife out your hand. And he's handing you a Phillips head screwdriver. And he's saying, walk in your purpose. Live in your destiny. I'm in control of this as long as I have your heart. You'll find yourself start to make progress. You'll find yourself start to make strides you'll find yourself pouring back into people and not taking so much from others. Because you're working now and your craftsmanship is amazing as you live with your gift, your purpose, your call. And now when you utilize that, you get unstuck. If this message was for you, I just ask that you saturate this altar with praise that is open now. And I'm believing by faith that as you step forward, beloved, as afraid as it may be, as challenging as it may be, if you walk forward spiritually, it's a symbolic representation. I just heard it that you're getting unstuck. If you're flying high in the sky, smooth sailing, maybe the altar isn't for you. But if you feel like it's turbulent and your aircraft is hitting bumps and it's a different type of S, I'm not feeling stuck. I feel like I'm sinking. Every step you take toward this altar, God is rambling the angels in heaven to work on your behalf. He's sending Gabriel, He's sending Michael, He's sending all of them to serve you. As you take that step, I in fact believe you're getting unstuck. The pool is being stirred. You can dip into the water right now and be blessed. You don't got to tell me what your issue is. You don't have to even share it with any minister. If you share it with God, who knows the deep recesses of your heart, at this altar, you can be set free. I know I'm a stranger to you, No, perhaps this is your first time even seeing me. But God thought of you so much, he sent me to be a messenger that you don't have to stay where you are. If you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, this is the moment you can get unstuck. The altar is now open. And I'm praying for your bravery. I'm praying for your strength. And as they come, we celebrate in heaven. We praise because all of us have been delivered from something. As they come, I don't even got to look at it. I know they're coming. Would you just clap your hands? As they come, you're clapping. As they come, you're you're celebrating. Uh, Are you going to want somebody to clap harder for you than that? If, 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 If you're coming, would you clap?